Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are listening to a Hive Talk Live stinger. Buzz Buzz. Welcome in. That's right. It's a Hive Talk Live stinger. I know we have some new followers, some new listeners out there. Uh, so Hive Talk Live is a live podcast. So we broadcast live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. on at the Hive at HiveTalkLive.com. So check us out live on Tuesday, 6 p.m. But then these get turned around as podcasts. And they go up on iTunes, so you can subscribe to us there. Just search Hive Talk Live. So in between the live shows, we like to do some interviews, some talks, some more intimate affairs, and we call those Hive Talk Live Stingers. So that's what you're listening to right now. And and when we heard that Jeremy Lin was going to be part of uh, the Charlotte Hornets organization this season, we said we have to do a stinger, and I decided to bring on uh, one of the best writers at, at the Hive. His name is Nick Denning. Nick, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This is your first time on, right? I don't, I don't think you've been on the show before. It is. It is. I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous. Only you know, I've done, I've done podcasts before, but you know, this is, this is a big time for me. This is the first time <laughs> ever being a guest on someone else's, on someone else's show. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, just, you know, the, the fact that you said it was big time right there scores you points. So you're already ahead of the yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk to you about Jeremy Lin. This is obviously a big signing. He has a, a ton of fans, and 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 we've seen you know across Twitter all of the the different organizations getting some some growth there just from the Jeremy Lin signing. Uh, what makes him a good fit for the city of Charlotte? Well, it's interesting. Like I think it's almost like a good fit for him. And, and maybe this is kind of a mutual thing because, you know, reading, um, you know, Pablo Torre's article on him back from in ESPN the magazine back in March, um, it seems like he just didn't really, you know, like the cities of Los Angeles or New York. Maybe they're just too big. Maybe the, um, you know, he wasn't able to get the privacy that he wanted. Charlotte seems to be maybe the environment that kind of suits his personality, um, you know, a place he can just kind of, you know, have that privacy that he wants. Um, so I think, you know, I think in that sense, it's a, it's a good fit for obviously him. And I think, you know, the city will be pr- probably pretty open to accepting him. That's, that's a great point. Uh, there's no, there's no Kobe Bryant. There's no alpha dog superstar on this team. In fact, the leadership on this team, you know, Kimball Walker, MKG, they tend to lead by example as opposed to, and they certainly don't, you know, berate players in public, like you saw with Kobe and Jeremy Lin. So I think I think the team is a good fit for him. I think you're right. The city of Charlotte, just being sort of a quiet big city, uh, will um, you know? You see Patrick Ewing on the street. Nobody's mobbing him. Same with, you know, even with MJ. I think um, you know it's, yeah. it's it's just a different kind of city here in Charlotte. And I think you're right there. And and we have to bring up the point. I mean, the reported deal is two years four point something or other million dollars. Right. And, and Jeremy or or people around Jeremy have hinted that there were better deals financially on the table for him 
and he chose the Hornets organization, Nick. So there has to be something going on there uh, that made this particular opportunity um, valuable or this particular opportunity uh, more amenable to to Jeremy Lin. Definitely. I mean, you know, I, I had heard that they were, you know, the other offers, but when I think about that, again, I think of the Tory piece and, you know, they talked about his upcoming free agency, you know, and he said, you know, I think he was kind of excited for it because it was an opportunity for him to really, you know, choose where he wanted to go. Um, and, you know, if he, if he turned down more money to come here, then obviously that bodes well for the team and, you know, bodes well for the city as well. Yeah. Guys are looking for opportunity and, and you look at across the board, our, our, off-season moves, we brought in Nick Batum, Spencer Hawes, and Jeremy Lin, three guys who are looking to sort of rehab or return to form, you know, in their careers. And so, you know, obviously Spencer Hawes and Batum were brought here on trade, so they had little choice. But I think they'll find the same thing that uh, that is appealing to Jeremy Lin about rehabbing your career in a place where you have a smart coach, you have media that is, you know, intelligent, uh, that that's not um, you know crazy, and and fans that are generally accepting of you know second chance stories. So yeah, I think yeah, you're, definitely. I, yeah, I think you're right. This is a perfect place for for Jeremy Lin to to rehab his career, and as well as the other guys. Well, let's dig into his game, Nick. What are Jeremy Lin's biggest strengths on the court? Um, I think you know it's been kind of talked about a lot, but his pick and roll game is something that's you know always been a strength of his. It really worked well um, in New York when he was with D'Antoni, particularly. Um, he's obviously he's a pretty good shooter. Um, one thing I think is important he's he's a better shooter than Kemba Walker, and I mean that's not a knock against Kemba. Well, maybe it's a slight knock because we'd like him to shoot a little bit better, but <laughs> you know he's you know he can shoot well from the outside. He can you know he's a I think he's, he's overall I think he shot like forty three percent from the field last last season. Um, another thing that I like is that he can actually um, score at the rim. Um, that's something that we really haven't had in with our point guards in recent years. Ramon Sessions could do it a little bit, but he didn't really have the outside game that Lynn does. So I like that he can score from multiple places. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of if he's able to really capitalize on those things. Hey, you make a great point there, sort of the relationship between the comparisons between his game and Kimball Walker's game. And in fact, I think if they play them together, Nick, and you may agree or disagree with it's not really if they play them. I I believe they'll they'll play these two guys together. It's going to help Kimba's game as well because uh, Kimba can play a little off ball. Jeremy Lin is a, a is a good distributor, and, and it you know allows Kimba uh, to move around a little bit. Um, and then on the other side of that, Jeremy Lin good at getting his own shot. He, he's a great uh, catch and shoot shooter. Had one of the better percentages in the league last year at catch and shoot threes. But he can also yeah, no, find no, his place on right. the floor. Because I, I, part of me is wondering, you know, both of them are high usage players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of me is wondering, could they, could they, you know, they kind of both need the ball in their hands. But when you, you, you brought that point saying how you know, he can work in the catch and, catch and shoot opportunities, I think that could work potentially with Kemba. But I will say I'm not completely sold on the idea of them playing together just yet. Why not? And just, just because of that, you know, that both of them having to be high usage. Because, um, you know, you think about, like how Mo Williams and, and, and Kemba Walker played together last year, it didn't really work because both of them just kind of needed to have the ball in their hands to really get things going. But I see what you're saying, you know, with, with Walker being able to play off ball a little bit more um, and vice versa with Lynn. I think Lynn is a different player than, than uh, Mo Williams. So I think, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm warming to the idea, I should say. Well, and, and here's, and let me sort of try to 
persuade you that it that it may work a little better than Kimba Mo because I think last season Kimba got into a mindset that he was one of the few shooters on the team, so he had to go out there and shoot. Whereas yeah. whereas this year they've brought in plenty of shooting, and if it goes well, I think Kimba starts to the, the pressure starts to come off of him a little bit in a way that we saw two years ago when McRoberts was on the team and, and you had a little bit more shooting around Kemba and he could work a little more off ball. And as, and the other, my other part to persuade you here is that Jeremy Lin does a great job of drawing attention when he can get to the rim. And so I think that'll open up some things for, for Kemba as well. So, but, but I see, I see your worry. I see it. Because yeah. I do see the usage numbers, so we'll just again we we got to put leather to hardwood and find out how this works out. But I think it can it can be a little bit different than Kemba and Mo. Let's move on, Nick, to the the weaknesses that Jeremy Lin has in his game. Do you see anything in the tape that he, that he still has to work on? Because remember, he's still young, right? I mean, he's still he's still got a lot of a lot of years left in him. Yeah, I think he's only twenty six. Is that right? Which I mean, it's kind of entering the prime years, but there's still room to to improve, certainly. Um, I think, you know, and this was, I'm, again, I kind of, you know, one thing I'm again, kind of referencing the Pablo Torre piece, which was great, by the way, I'm going to use why I keep going to kind of going back to it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Lynn said he wanted to improve his, his mid range game. And I was kind of looking up his numbers, you know, um, you know, and how he shot from that in, in those ranges last season. And there was a lot of, you know, mid thirties or low thirties. And I know that, you know, the NBA is kind of revolving to this, you know, either it's a three, it's either three point shots or getting to the rim. But, you know, if you think about Lynn in the pick and roll, um, kind of like how Kimball Walker can, can can come off the pick and roll and, and, you know, pull up for a mid-range jump shot, I'm sure Lynn is probably thinking, you know, I could maybe do something, you know, I could improve in that same way, you know, being able to become a better um, shooter in the, in a, you know, pull-up jump shots. Um, you know, defense is something that's always sort of carried him as well. Um, I don't think he's as bad a defender as people are, you know, kind of say he is. Um, but you know, there's obviously always room to improve. He's not, he's, he's by no means a good defender, but he's, I don't think he's as bad as people say he is. Um, he does have good lateral quickness. It's just, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Clifford can, um, you know, if, how Clifford will work him in, in the defensive system. Well, I mean, he's look, he's played in the West. He's played against some, some pretty elite competition. And, and when he's been replaced in a lineup like in Houston, he got replaced by Patrick Beverly, who is an amazing defender. And so you really, that's a, that's kind of a bad comparison to say, Oh, he was replaced because of his bad defense. No, he was replaced because Patrick Beverly is an amazing defender and, and Houston, you know, as a team couldn't defend many people. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that, that he's gotten a little bit of an unfair rap on defense and we'll be talking much more in depth on, on uh, sort of the, the misconceptions about Jeremy Lin's defense on at the hive.com and here on hive talk live uh, much more as the off season wears on. But uh, yeah, I, and I think there's something to be said too, Nick of a guy coming to a team that stresses defense and rich Cho talked a, a little bit about it when the signing was made that look, you've got Steve Clifford, who's a great defensive coach. We have one of the best defenders in the league, you know, on ball defenders in MKG you know, just being around that is going to help you tremendously defensively. Don't you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think he's going to have, he's going to have more support around him, you know, and I think that's, that'll definitely benefit him a lot. So yeah, I'm not, you know, until I see otherwise, I don't think I'm too worried about, you know, his, 
him as a defensive liability. Well, let's um, we've talked a little bit about Kemba, how they could possibly maybe kind of work together side by side in, in some kind of smaller lineup. Um, but let's just talk about their games in general. Do they are they complementary? Are are they analogous? I mean, what's going on here with the two games? Yeah, they're. I mean, you know, we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but you know, they are. They're different in in, in various ways. Like I said, Lynn's a better shooter, um, but I think Kemba's a more dynamic player. Um, I think he's a um, better ball handler, and you know, maybe even a passer. I know, you know, Kemba gets gets a you know a, kind of a, a uh, you know he gets some criticism from some of our um, some of our fans about his um, passing ability or decision making. But I mean, his turnover ratio was obviously very low last season. Um, you know, the one thing I, like, again, I mentioned, they're both high usage players, but as you were, you know, as you kind of mentioned, I think their, their differences actually could complement each other despite some of the, um, you know, the current concerns that I have. Interesting. Um, well, let me ask you this. What do you think the ceiling is for Lynn this upcoming season? I mean, could he possibly sort of fill a sixth man type of role similar to what Mo was uh, when, when Kimba came back. I mean, is that what you see that the ceiling being for, for Jeremy Lynn and Charlotte? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, cause I was, I was thinking about it. I didn't bring this up when we talked about his fit with the Hornets, but if you think about the second unit, you know, with, with uh, Lamb and, and Hawes and, and Marvin Williams and, and Kaminsky, a lot of those guys, they, they have to get their own shots themselves. And, you know, um, Lynn could be kind of the, you know, could sort of lead that second unit and help, you know, create chances for all those guys and, and, and obviously create chances for himself. Yeah, I mean, he could be, you know, I think if we're talking about highest ceiling for him this season, I mean, being a being a being one of the better six men in the league, I think is definitely a possibility. Yeah, and and just the fact that that he's coming to Charlotte and he's excited about it. You know, he's excited yeah. about the opportunity. He takes less money. He he knows what's at stake for his career. I mean again, going back to that article by Pablo Torre, like he's had such an interesting journey, but you get this sense, Nick, that from him that his career is just beginning. You know, he went through that that deal in New York, Lynn Sanity, that he doesn't really like to talk about. <laughs> and, you know, you think after that, and then he, then he goes to Houston again, gets benched, goes to L.A., gets benched. And, and a lot of people are starting to think, well, I don't know. I don't know if this Jeremy Lynn thing is going to pan out. But I get the sense from him that he's ready to restart his career, and that's – Really exciting if you're a Hornets fan, right? I mean, because you got you got a guy that's that's ready to roll. Oh, definitely. And I mean, like you know, you, in, you know, it wasn't his decision to go to Los Angeles. He was traded there, and you know, it seemed like he didn't. You know, he started he started as a starter, but then you know, got replaced and replaced again. And you know, it didn't it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I just don't think anything about L.A. really really was you know working. It was a good fit for him. And you know, like you said, coming here being able to restart his career. I think that's the big thing. You know, we didn't mention it with the contract, but I, I just saw today that the second year includes a player option. So if he does have a big season this year, you know, he's kind of betting on himself in many ways that, you know, that he can then opt out next season and be able to get a you know big pay raise. And here's the brilliant part, Nick. I'm here with Nick Denning, by the way, from uh, at the hive.com. Here's the brilliant part of that, Nick, is that it's a two-year player option, right? Well, he he's already expressed 
you know, how much, how excited he is to come to Charlotte, if this is a great opportunity for him uh, because of the way that the contracts have been structured and the way Cho has been, you know, managing, managing the assets, if you will. I just said on the last episode, I hated that term, <laughs> managing assets. But um, in this case, it's good because we're going to have a lot of money to throw, the Hornets are going to have a lot of money to throw around in the next, in the next year or two. And that presents an opportunity to not only re-sign Nick Batum, but also again, if, if Jeremy Lin has this bounce back year and garners more money on the open market, the Hornets will have that money to spend. So there's, you know, another, another benefit to bringing in guys that again are are trying to rehab or or turn the corner in their career while at the same time signing them to deals that will allow you, you know, financial flexibility to sign the ones that, you know, do actually accomplish that. So really exciting. Uh last question, Nick. Give me one interesting stat that you found in your research on Jeremy Lin and, and what that means for uh or what that hopefully will mean for his time here with the Hornets. Well, you know, a lot of people talk about this. You know, there's a lot. There's a perception about Jeremy Lin. From you know, and one thing that's all perceived that he, that he turns the ball over a lot. But one thing I noticed, I, I looked up this. You know, last season is his turnover ratio was actually the lowest of his of his career. He's actually brought it down every year since he had that you know that breakout season. Last season was 13 percent. Now to compare, Kemba Walker was around 6.6 percent. So obviously, Kemba Walker, you know, doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much. Or I mean, he's one of the best in the league. But I think. You know, it, I think when you know when I talk to you know certain people about you know the Hornets signing Lynn, you know I, I got a lot of you know comments saying, oh, you know, hopefully he doesn't turn turn the ball over too much. But you know, he really wasn't. And the other interesting the other interesting part of that was his turnover ratio was the lowest of his career, despite his usage usage going up. So I think that's telling in the sense that he isn't as in, uh, turnover prone as one might perceive he is. Yeah. What? Why are there are these misconceptions about Lynn because you have the misconceptions about his defense. You've got the misconceptions about his turnover ratio. And part of me thinks that, that it, again, it all roots back to the insanity thing where he, where he came on the scene like such a fireball and, and sort of, you know, we, for some reason or another tend to react against things like that when they happen and, 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 you know, sort of the schadenfreude, you know, love to see a guy come back down to earth and, and kind of pile on. Is that, is that sort of your take on it? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously a lot of people are excited about that, but I, you know, I wonder how many, you know, how many casual fans have really watched him mm. extensively since, you know, those two weeks. It's in the and West. Yeah. He's, he spent it. so much time in the yeah, West. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, he spent so much time in the West that it's tough for, you know, the, the fans here in the East coast. I mean, it's tough for me to stay up for nine o'clock games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, like, I, I mean, I watched him some, you know, cause I mean, I actually watched him more last season just because the, the Lakers were on national TV a lot, but you know, but no, you're right. I mean, it, it, you know, I think there are some just perceptions just based off of, you know, the insanity craze or just not, you know, is not really doing just a little bit more digging to see that, Hey, you know, these aren't, these perceptions aren't actually, you know, true. So. Interesting, interesting stuff, Nick. Uh, and, and also I read an article and doing my research on uh, our, our, our buddies over at uh, silver screen and roll uh, on SB nation. And 
they had an interesting term for it for the turnovers that that Lynn w- will have by virtue of of his trying to create something and they called it a creation tax. So yes, you know, Lynn and and others who and Kimba to an extent as well who try to create off the dribble are going to have, you know, just inherently are going to have more turnovers, but you have to look at all the things that they create when they don't turn the ball over and, and sort of judge them by that as well. And you can't look at the turnovers in a box. You have to understand that it's part of their overall game and that part of their ability to razzle-dazzle and, and create something out of nothing. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. So I know it's, it'll be, it'll be cool. I mean, I hope, I hope, hopefully, you know, he, he sort of starts to, you know, put away some of these perceptions of the season, um, you know, starts. It'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, again, I think you can't question that it's it's an upgrade uh, and, and and he'll definitely uh, be an asset there on the second unit. Can't wait to watch Nick Denning at thehive.com. Uh, they can follow you on Twitter at? Uh, at Nick Denning. At Nick Denning. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, Nick. Yeah, thank you for having me. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17